welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen, amen. Welcome, family. Hope you all are doing good this morning. Hey, uh, it, honestly, I thought there, you know, weekend after Thanksgiving, there might be 12 of you here today. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see you all. I'm excited to see you up in the balcony. Come on. It's going to be a good day today. When, whether you're here in the room or whether you're online watching today, the fact that you're here tells me something about you. Okay? I, lo- I have a friend that used to say, when we are available, God is faithful. And so I'm so excited today that, to see what God is going to spark in your heart, whether it's already happened in worship or whether you're going to find something in the message this morning that's going to touch you. Well, this week was special. Okay, I know, I'm sure that you all had an amazing Thanksgiving, whether it was on your own eating a mini turkey. Um, it did not help this year, by the way, if you were the runt of the litter because you were the first turkeys they were running after. Did you guys hear about this? All of the small turkeys sold out. And all of the big turkeys were left. So anyway, our government officials said, you know, we wanted to do things small. I actually heard one guy in another state say, we, we should just not have Thanksgiving this year. And I thought, what? Who doesn't have Thanksgiving? I mean, it's, for football fans, it's like the Super Bowl, okay, is special. For those that love to eat, it's Thanksgiving. Come on, that is special. So um, whether you were a rebel and spent it with family and friends or whether you had a simple Thanksgiving, I truly hope that you had an amazing uh, Thanksgiving. Well, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, it's been all sorts of crazy. (laughs) All sorts of chaotic this year. This year will be a year that, honestly, I'm not soon going to forget. And here we stand Hoping, praying, believing that 2021 is going to be so much better. Like it's New Year's Eve, but it's still November. Has this, come on, has this not been the longest year that you can remember? And and honestly, I'm thankful it hasn't ended, okay? Because Christmas is my favorite time of the year. And I'm going to remind you about that several times. So, What's crazy about this year is it started off with such hope and promise as a church. Now, I don't know if you guys remember, because it probably feels like it was 10 years ago, but it was at this time last year that we had our Let There Be Light dinner in the Civic Center. It was this big celebration. We talked about all the things that were going to happen in 2021, uh, including coming into the Tower Theater. We got to January, and we had all this construction going on of them busting that hole in the wall. It was loud to work, but we didn't care. We were so excited about it. We had all these things. We had a new discipleship plan of having connect groups where you would just build relationships and then equip groups where you could be equipped to be a disciple of Jesus. We had Alpha, which if you remember the first semester last fall when we had Alpha, we had over 40 people that came to Alpha. And Alpha was a way for those who are just searching for truth, those who are searching for faith, and those who are brand new to faith. It was a way for them to hear and learn about Jesus. And then at the beginning of February, we moved into the Tower Theater and this place was packed. We had over 400 people in this room. And for myself, you know, at the beginning of the year, I had a couple books I wanted, I was gonna finish this year. 
I was going to lose 20 pounds. Come on, just like everybody at the beginning of the year. You know what I'm talking about. And then, wham, COVID-19 happens. And I wake up in this alternate reality. Now I'm a video editor. I've gained 10 pounds. We are homeschoolers. All those years where we thought to ourselves, I wonder if we should have homeschooled. Nope. <laughs> we figured out we'd made the right decision. <laughs> Life has become a stressful thing. Just making simple decisions is stressful. And the thing that I loved more than anything else about being a pastor, being with the people, I now see every one of you on a two inch by two inch square on my computer with 40 of you looking at me. It was crazy. And how quickly things can change. This year, just this year alone, we have learned how to respond to a worldwide pandemic, which literally shut down the world. And, and some of the world is still shut down. I have a new friend, Julian, who just got here from Toronto. I know. And he got out just before Toronto shut down for 28 days this month. Isn't it crazy? This year, we had a, a come to Jesus moment about systemic racism in our country. We had all sorts of rallies, some peaceful, some not. We hope to have taken steps forward, but I think there's a hesitancy a little bit of a real change has taken place. We've lived through another presidential race with all of the bickering between him and him and him and her and her and her. Literally, after four months, I feel like Stephanie Bice and Kendra Horn are part of my family. They've been in my home so much. Whether it's on the TV or the car, I mean, are they coming to Thanksgiving dinner? You know what I mean? Goodness sakes. And now the race is kind of over. Some are happy, some are sad. And here we are, Thanksgiving. And I guess my question this morning is the mindset that we're all feeling thankful? I think if we could take 2020 and put a tag on it like you haven't worn it a few times already and return it to the store for a refund, we might do that. Maybe instead of thankful, if I were to ask you how you feel about this year, you might say tired, stressed, confused, filled with anxiety, maybe even depressed, sick, sad, feeling as though you've lost something lost experiences, lost jobs, lost opportunities, lost friendships, lost time with family members. This year has felt chaotic, disjointed, unreliable, and truly a little bit of a mess, right? But God, as we enter the Christmas season this year, and this being the first week of Advent, I believe instead of tired, stressed, confused, filled with anxiety, maybe even depressed, sick, sad, feeling as though you've lost something, chaotic, disjointed, unreliable, I believe our Heavenly Father wants to replace the things that you're feeling with some other things, like hope, like peace, like love, like joy. Did I tell you that this is my favorite time of the year? 
We've been in a series called The Way of Life, a journey through the Gospels, where we've been looking at how Jesus lived and then how we can become more like him. And this morning, I want to look at the very beginning of Jesus' journey. I want to take you just a little bit deeper into the story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph, because I believe in this moment, we have a lot in common with them. And maybe we can still redeem our story of 2020 as they redeemed their story. So we're going to jump into some scripture here. I'm going to be telling you the story of the beginning, uh, not necessarily going scripture by scripture, but I'm in, if you're wanting to read it this week, if you're wanting to look back at it, it's the first two chapters of Matthew, the first two chapters of Luke. And I'm going to kind of bounce back and forth and a lot of the scriptures will be up top. So it starts with Gabriel, okay? Gabriel is sent down to earth to find this woman named Mary. Mary is pledged to be married to Joseph, who is a descendant of David, okay? And he finds Mary, appears to her, and this is what the angel said. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. This line right here, it gets me every time. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What I think is so funny about that line right there is if an angel shows up at your doorstep, you know, whether it's the big angel with the white light, whether it's, you know, this eight foot tall guy with wings, whatever your picture of an angel is, if he shows up on your doorstep, are you going to be thinking, I am greatly troubled at his words, and I wonder what kind of greeting this might be. You know what I mean? It's just such a funny way that Matthew put it. But the angel says to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you were to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the most high will overshadow you. So the holy one to be born will be called the son of God. Okay, let's just take a second to look at this, okay? I think sometimes we look at the Bible and we think of all these people who are just really holy and they walk around in God's presence all day long. But these are just ordinary people. Mary, they say, was between 13 and 15 years old. Can you imagine, even in 2020, if you're 13, 14, 15, and you come home to tell your parents that you're pregnant with the Messiah and that it was the Holy Spirit that made you pregnant, can you imagine the scandal? Can you imagine the anger? Can you imagine the sadness? Well, Think of it 2,000 years ago. This was a different time and a different place. Now, in the context of that time, for a 13 to 15-year-old to get pregnant outside of wedlock, okay, and remember, she's promised to Joseph, not only would she be put up for public ridicule, but Mosaic law says that they could stone her. And if not that, she is at least marked for the rest of her life. If Joseph doesn't take her, then nobody's going to. She is thought of as unclean and will be a leper. And she is saying the Messiah is in her, the one who will save the world. Now let's, let's flip to Joseph real quick, okay? Joseph, who the Bible says is a righteous man, okay? In the Jewish vernacular, that means that Joseph was a man of Torah. 
means he followed the law, he was kosher, he went to the synagogue every day, he memorized scripture, he gave his tithe. This is a godly man. And he was what they called betrothed to Mary. There was always a waiting period of betrothment. Sometimes it was a year, sometimes it was two years. A lot of times it was for the sake of letting the woman grow into adulthood before she had sexual relations or before she had a child. And so they're in this moment of betrothment when all of this happens. Obviously, this was not an easy thing for Mary to go to Joseph and try and explain this. You know, the whole angel appeared out of the sky and the son of the most high is inside of me now because of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, as much as he wants to believe her, the Bible says he resides to divorce Mary quietly so as not to bring her public ruin. The divorce thing kind of tripped me up there because they're not married yet, but divorce just meant cut off, cut off the betrothment of that. But then an angel shows up to Joseph this time in his dreams. Says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So Joseph, loving God and wanting to do what is right in God's eyes, decides not to divorce Mary, and he takes her as his wife. Okay, so real quick. Let's just do a quick review. Mary's been fronted by an angel, given a child, put in the place to explain this predicament to her soon-to-be husband, let alone the community around her. Joseph is fronted by his future wife, who he barely knows, and is told she's pregnant. He's going to do the right thing, let her go quietly to keep his honor, but an angel comes to him in a dream and says, nope, take her as your wife. Whew, no stress here. No anxiety here. No fear here. Now, we're into the marriage a few months. It says that Joseph, most people believe that Joseph uh, cancel, or didn't cancel the betrothment. He t- took her as a wife immediately instead of waiting that year, which wasn't abnormal by any means. Okay, And so he takes her as his wife immediately. And then they have a trip that they have to take. If you remember, Caesar Augustus uh, wants to do a census. And so everybody in the area has to go to their hometown. And Mary and Joseph, who left Nazareth and Galilee, they headed to Judea, the town of Bethlehem, which was the town of David, because Joseph was from the line of David. Now, there's a few different ways that they could have gone. I thought I'd just show you guys The, the quickest way is straight south from Nazareth, you can get to Bethlehem. The problem with that is that it literally has to go over a mountain. You have to go over a mountain with an eight to nine month pregnant woman. The other problem with that that you'll notice is it goes right through Samaria. And if you'll remember, Jews and Samaritans didn't necessarily like each other. So, Most people believe that they took this route that ran along the Jordan River in what was called the Flatlands right next to the Jordan River. And they got down south where they were perpendicular to Jerusalem. 
They jumped over the hills instead of the mountains. And then Bethlehem was about three to five miles south of Jerusalem. They pull into town after a pretty grueling 90-mile trip. Okay, can you imagine being eight, nine months pregnant and going 90 miles by foot and on a donkey? They said for most people that was probably an eight to 10-day trip, but imagine they probably had to go a little bit slower, so probably more like 10 to 20 days. They get into Bethlehem and Mary's water breaks. And now all of a sudden Joseph is put in the place to try and find a place for the son of God to be born. Something suitable, he's thinking, he's running around trying to find a place. Holiday Inn is booked. The Marriott's having a convention. Best Western is being worked on like it always is. They, come on. They could not find a place. And so where do they end up? In a cave, in a barn, in a manger. A lot of different translations say different things. On the edge of town. Amidst the animals. Amidst the dirt. Amidst the straw. Amidst the stone. And the Son of God is born. Nothing about this period of time, this year for them, was normal for Joseph and Mary. Everything about this period of time for this young family made them tired, stressed, confused, filled with anxiety, maybe even depressed, sick, sad, gave them a feeling as though they had lost something. Like their hometown, their friends, their family, maybe even their reputation. This year felt chaotic, disjointed. And truly, the whole thing was a little bit of a mess. Say a prayer with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the story of Mary and Joseph. Father, I just pray today that you'll open our eyes, open our ears, that we might be touched by it and that we might learn from it. In your name I pray. Amen. So what can we see in Jesus and Joseph and Mary's response that might help us in our response to the season that we find ourselves in? Okay, number one, Jesus leaned into and relied on those who cared for him. Who you lean into matters in this season. Je Jesus had no choice but to lean into those who cared for him put his trust in them. Because remember, the father put his trust in Joseph and Mary to take care of Jesus. Can you imagine that pressure? Can you imagine what it felt like to be holding the son of God? And, you know, maybe Mary's holding her and Joseph's like, don't, don't drop, don't drop the son of God. Come on, how many of you parents out there, their ch your child rolled off the, uh, you know, <laughs> diaper table? Come on, I'm one of them. You do that to the Son of God? Come on. There is trouble. This is going to be happening. Jesus leaned in. Joseph and Mary, they leaned into each other, to their relationship with God. Remember, they had a perspective that nobody else had because the angels came to them, spoke to them. In this season, you need to lean into the people who love you and care for you and want the best for you. People who raise your game. People who even raise the expectations for this season. People who will bring joy. People who bring hope. People who will help keep your head above water in this season. Yeah. 
Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. We found this to be true in so many ways this year. That the people of the voices that you walk with have a huge impact on you. Maybe even more so in this year. You know, I learned early on in this whole COVID thing that who and what you let into your head and heart matters. There were a few times that I found myself sitting on the couch by myself watching the news. And you would watch a couple of hours of news, and I kid you not, I would be depressed for three days after that. Angie was like, you got to shut that TV off. You are not allowed to watch anymore. Because it gets inside of you. The voices that you let into your life, they can have an impact on you. So I decided to limit my interaction and relationships to only those that were life-giving. Obviously, my heavenly father, first of all. My family, my friends. Come on, John Krasinski and good news. Our staff. Our staff spent so much time together, particularly in that first three months. And it truly helped steady me for us to be together. Who are the people in your life that help steady you? Who help you keep perspective? Who help keep you accountable in your relationship to God? Who's looking out for your spiritual life? Maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe the church, maybe even some of our staff. Did you guys know since day one of this thing, we have been on, knee, on our knees every single week asking for wisdom on how to lead and guide this family of believers during this season. And whether it's been worship nights or whether it's connect groups or whether it's the messages that Tim has been preaching, and come on, y'all. I mean, I'll be the first one to say that his preaching over the past month, it has elevated my expectations of hope. I mean, it truly has. Tim has done an amazing job. Who are you leaning into? Number two, the first one, he relied on those who cared for him. Number two, Jesus did not stop being the savior of the world, though chaos was surrounding him. He is, was, and forever will be. All of life went on. Yet the purpose for which Jesus came never changed, and not for one moment. You remember what the angel said to Joseph? She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus' identity never changed. It was rock solid. His foundation was strong. Your identity as a mom, a dad, a friend, a co-worker, and most importantly, a, follow, a follower of Christ should not change. Do you realize you have a purpose in this time? God's purpose for you has not changed. Are you living that out? Are you being who God wants you to be even in the midst of a messy season? I've had a couple of friends that are pastors that have said that their experience is more people are asking questions about faith in this period right now. Why? 
because people are tired, stressed, confused, filled with anxiety, maybe even depressed, sick, sad. They have a feeling as though they've lost something. This year has been chaotic, disjointed, unreliable. People are looking for answers. And all of us have an opportunity to be light in a dark world right now. You have been called for such a time as this. There's an awesome scripture in Romans 14 that says this. Paul says, for none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Have you lost your identity in Christ during this season? Has your foundation been rocked a little bit? Well, let me just say, it's never too late to come back. This is why Jesus came to save his people. He came for the broken and the hurting to give grace and mercy to those that need it. If you find your identity in Christ a little weary right now, I would say, go back to point one. Lean into the Father. Lean into those friends of yours who are believers. Get that trust. Get that faith. Get that longing back for the Holy Spirit in your life. And I want you guys to remember this. With so much change, with so much distraction this year, with so much anxiety, Jesus is the one thing in your life this year that hasn't changed. There has been 100% consistency on his part. He loves you the same. His message to you is the same. His call in your life is the same. Your status as a child of God has not and will not change. Our God is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. That which he has purposed to do will continue until the time that Jesus comes back. Guess what? There is no worldwide pandemic that he cannot defeat. There is no leader that he cannot impart his spirit on. There is no social wrongs that he cannot right. Our choice is merely to put our hope and trust in the name of Jesus. Because he is our only hope. Okay, so we, he leaned into, relied on those who cared for him. So should you. He did not stop being the savior of the world because of the chaos surrounding him. And nor should you lose the most important identity that you have, that of being a follower of Jesus. And number three, he had the full arsenal of the father protecting him. And because of that, there was peace. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, they knew that the Father was over them. They had the angels telling them every step to take. They had the Father of all creation guiding, leading, covering, protecting every single step. You remember farther along in the story, about a year and a half into Jesus being born, the Magi show up. You remember they stopped by to talk to Herod ask her how to get to Bethlehem. They go down to Bethlehem. Herod kind of sends them on a mission and wants them to come back. But an angel speaks to them and tells them to go home a different route and not to return to Herod. 
Herod is mad, and he declares that all of the two-year-olds in the region, boys, are going to be killed. Can you imagine the society at that time? The stress of a leader who has gone rogue. And the angels come to Joseph and say, take your wife, take your child, and go to Egypt until Herod's reign is done. God's protection is always there. Even if he doesn't step in at every moment. I love the story of uh, Peter cutting off the guard's ear. Y'all remember that? In the garden, when Jesus is about to get arrested, Peter, in normal Peter fashion, whips out his sword, cuts off the ear of the guard. Jesus is like, whoa, step back. Step back, brother. He says, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? God is always there, always there to protect. I know firsthand what the protection of the father looks like. I've shared my story with a lot of you, so I'm not going to go deep into it, but I had a liver disease that literally brought me to the very end of dying. I was literally days away. I was at the University of Colorado, which is one of the, the best known transplant hospitals, and my doctor there said, hey, you need to find someplace else, because I was still so high on the list there. So I came to Oklahoma, and the doctor here, after some tests, he tells me, well, you could die any day. I'd never met him. Those are the words that he said to me. So I, after three weeks of being here and not one liver came through their program, I went home to die. And I'm sitting in a hospital. After I'd been home for a couple days, I got sick again. And I remember me and Angie sitting in this bay window. Remember it perfectly. And we're crying out to our God for hope because we're coming to the end. I'm days away from my body just breaking down. And sure enough, 10, 15 minutes after we say that prayer, sitting in that bay window, Dr. Kam, the staff, or excuse me, the chief of transplant for the entire hospital, walks through the doors by himself. This awesome Jewish man. I didn't even know him, really. He wasn't my doctor. They don't become your doctor until after the transplant, if he's the one who does the transplant. I've seen him around. He comes into the room with students, but I really had no relationship with him. He walks through the doors, walks over to Angie and I, puts my hand, his hand on my shoulder and says, Scott, I don't want you to worry. I'm going to get you that liver. The Lord is always protecting. He is always there for you. Matthew 10, 29, 31 are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And guess what? The hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid because you are worth so much more than many sparrows. Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of this, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. The Father, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the whole lot of them, the Trinity, 
that love you and care for you. And though you may not see it, you need to believe that they are looking after you. The more deeply you believe in this one simple fact, the greater peace, the greater hope you will have in this season. And if you don't believe it, don't be afraid to ask. I love the story where the man who has the child, where a spirit is inside of the child, Jesus says to him, for those who believe, everything is possible. And the man says, I believe, help my unbelief. Call out to the Father. I promise you, when you cry out for hope, he is going to give it to you. So let's review real quick. And I'm going to go ahead and invite the band to come up at this time. Number one, he leaned into, relied on those who cared for him. Number two, he did not stop being the savior of the world because of the chaos surrounding him. And nor should your identity change in this season. And number three, he had the full arsenal of the Father protecting him. And because of that, there was peace. So here we are at the end of November. Thanksgiving is behind us. The Christmas season is before us. And there's an opportunity before you. Yes, it has been a year like none other. But we are not in the practice of letting our surroundings define us, define our faith, define our perspective, or define our hope. Mary and Joseph entered the season with turmoil, sprinkled with hope. There was a lot of unknowns for them. But the underlying note to all that they were going through was the hope of a savior, the hope of a Messiah that they had heard about their entire lives. One that would rule the nations, one that would bring glory to the Jewish people, one that would save the world. This is my favorite time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Why? Why is it the most wonderful time of the year? Because there's hope. And this year in particular, we need a little more hope, right? Jesus is our hope. Jesus inside of you is our hope. Be the hope this year. Lead the people that you are around to your hope this year. Paul said this. He said, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And friends, this is our call. Will you stand with me? I want to kick off this Advent season right by putting 
our stress, our anxiety, our chaos aside and proclaiming that Jesus is King. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you. And Father, this has been a hard year. It was Thanksgiving this past week, and I know there's something, this struggle inside of us. of We're, we're trying our hardest to be thankful, but it's been a tough year, Lord. But I think the thing that we know about you is that, Jesus, you did not change. You stayed the same. You still love. You still care. Your purpose did not change. Your saving grace did not change. And Father, we have hope because of you. So Father, we want to lift you up. We want to tell you right now in this moment that you are our God, you are our King, and you are our hope. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.